Behold, the genius Lanny Popper, the world's smartest man. Sometimes what goes on behind the scenes is stronger than the soap opera on the video school. You are listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. I am co-host J.P. Zarka, ProWrestlingStories.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the poet and limerick-writing, motivational-speaking brother of WWE Hall of Famer, Macho Man Randy Savage, The Genius, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the second edition of the Genius Cast. My name is Lanny Poffo. I'm JP Zarka, ProWrestlingStories.com, and what a week it's been for you. So great, and it's so exciting. Since our last recording, we're coming off the heels of a very successful All In and StarCast weekend. How was it? What was it like for you? Well, it was like a breath of fresh air, and it made me feel so young, and, you know, that's really what I want to feel like. It was... Really, looking back on it and having experienced it, what a lucky man I am to have just been invited. And uh, I'm very thankful to the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and uh, all the people at um, Ring of Honor that were so nice to me. And um, But not to be outdone, Jay Lethal, isn't it great that, you know, there's a spot for me and I'll tell you what, if I wasn't there, they would have, you know, drawn as many people as they did because it sold out in like 20 minutes and nobody even thought I might be there. Right. So I feel like I was just, you know, invited to the feast. Now you flew out there not even knowing if you were going to be used on the show. How did everything play out? No, it wasn't It wasn't that dogmatic. You know, uh, Jay Lethal um, said, hey, why don't you come out and uh, I'll see if I can get you to walk me out there. That's basically what he said. And I guess he's got some stroke or clout or whatever. Yeah, being Ring of Honor champion, he's got a little bit of pull. Well, you know, you're the champion until you lose it. That's you right. Know? So, uh, and uh, I've seen stars fall. Uh, but, you know, the backstage, um, everybody was very busy, but everybody was so friendly and nice and nobody seemed pressured. Um, naturally, we got there at 11 a.m., and there's a lot of downtime for a guy like me. But it was just fantastic. And let me tell you what. I had a chance to talk to the girl that sang the national anthem. And um, she was, didn't she kill? Did you see that national anthem? I did. Stunning. Beautifully sang. I mean, everyone from the national anthem to the very end. The camera work. The commentating. It was fantastic. I was so blown away. I, yes, I was... Uh, very proud of her because, you know, she said, uh, I'm a little nervous. And I said, well, anyone would be nervous in front of 10,000 people. What makes you think you wouldn't be? She'd be unhuman if she wasn't nervous. Yeah, of course she was nervous. And I thought she did a much better job than Roseanne Barr in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't any uh, farting noises or burping. Oh, it was terrible that what she did, yeah, you know, horrible, terribly. Yeah. yeah, not a big fan, not a fan, not a fan. But, um, but, I mean, so you said there's a lot of sitting around in the back. You got there early. Very smart, obviously. You get there early. You just sit back and wait for yourself to be used if needed. Now, you had a chance to talk to a lot of people in the back. Talk us through some of the conversations you had, who you met, and so on. 
Um, well, the a real big thrill was meeting Kenny Omega because isn't he fantastic? The best in the world. Um, I believe uh, even the world knows it. Okay, sometimes you can think you are the best, and the world doesn't believe that. But this guy, and he's so laid back, and uh, what a nice person! I I was very very impressed with him outside the ring, and you know it's in the, you know. I, I don't want to go on and on about him and gush, but I'll tell you what, I've seen his matches several times and I'm barely interested in wrestling anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go out there and raise the bar to that level, and I was thinking, wouldn't the Macho Man have loved to work with him? I was going to ask that. Kenny Omega versus the Macho Man, who do you have? Yeah, I'll tell you who's going to, I'll tell you who's going to, I'll tell you who's going to win. The fans, they win. No matter who, it doesn't matter who wins. Winning is like inconsequential. The fans win because you got two guys out there that want to raise the bar. The fans win. And uh, I don't want to go back harping on it, but I'll tell you where the fans lost is when Randy didn't get to wrestle you-know-who. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Yes. I don't want to get the podcast off to a lousy start and get me all angry, but... Um, the fans missed it. Yeah, we did, and we yeah we talked about that in the first episode. And you know, speaking of the first episode, you know, blew our minds. Now, at time of recording, it's Tuesday, so we do this a few days in advance. We've got a lot of stuff going on during the week, so we try to get the recording done early on. But uh, we were ranked top ranked wrestling podcast on the iTunes Sports and Recreation charts. We were ranked before. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I know that Warrior's wife. She's got a podcast. We were ranked before her. You know, blows my mind. Incredible stuff. And, you know, thank you to the listeners for tuning in, spreading the word, putting the Genius Cast out there. We couldn't be more happy for that. Thank you so much. I, I would like to say thank you to all the fans. Thank you for your support. Of course, just because we had a good start doesn't mean we're going to have a good continuation. But I have a feeling based on the feedback that I'm getting, that we are fun to listen to and maybe we're going to be addictive. And I'll tell you what, JP, uh, for the early success, I blame you because like even they were talking about the Genius Cast, what a great name. Well, I didn't think of that name, you did. Also, the artwork, what a, you know, it's very simple and it kind of stands out. I agree. Now, the guy who does the logos for our show as well as on ProWrestlingStories.com, his name is Kevin Meeker. I'm going to give him a bit of a shout-out. Well-deserved. He's hilarious. He's a comedian. He's got a YouTube page called Miserable Hair People. Check it out for a laugh, and I'm sure you can contact him for custom design needs. Wow, isn't that great? By the way, uh, us being so successful, I blame that on you because um, I have absolutely no idea what work you're doing behind the scenes, you know, and um, all I was doing is just talking into this microphone. So thank you for all your hard work. And I hope um, it creates a tsunami that you don't have to work as hard and you can be the family man you were meant to be. Working on something that you're passionate about never feels like work. This doesn't feel like work. And like I've said before, I'm excited to see where this goes. And, you know, word of mouth is more important. And once you get the ball rolling, it's all word of mouth. And if the fans don't like the product, then it's not going to be any good uh, because water will seek its own level. 
you know, and if it goes low, that's because we're not giving the fans what they want. But what's so great about it, the fans are a part of this podcast. And you've got all these questions you're going to ask me. And I told you, JP, don't ask me before because it's not going to be organic. I don't want to have to plan an answer. I like to give a knee-jerk reaction. That way, the fans get, you know, what's... You understand the difference. I don't want it to be uh, scripted and, you know, micromanaged and all that. Nah, we don't like that. In fact, you know, for the first show... I had sentences and paragraphs laid out and I was reading from them and I think that became a bit evident at the beginning of the show and hopefully I eased up by the end of the last show but we got bullet points this week that's it we're gonna call in the ring as you will and you know I'm excited to go back to this all-in talk right so you started off the weekend you flew from your hometown uh, Clearwater in Florida over to Chicago and you went to Starcast on was it Friday Yes. Okay. And you did some signings with Jay Lethal. What was it like talking with the fans? I, I was on, on Twitter and social media and, and on Facebook and such. And I was seeing people posting pictures with you. And one guy even had a tattoo of your brother that he showed you. And that must mean a lot to you. Well, right next to, uh, I don't know, about 100 feet away was an actual tattoo artist. And he was doing fans, and they were doing uh, brand new wrestling tattoos. And uh, like I said, I don't have any tattoos. I don't, I don't like needles, and I don't feel that I would rather have a bunch of JPEGs in my phone rather than carry around, you know, a bunch of. Uh, I don't want to. I just don't. Tattoos. Uh, I'm not interested in paying the money, sure. or getting the pain, or getting infected, or you know, just leave it alone. Yeah, you're you know, not going to get so, hurt by a JPEG. Right. And I don't have piercings and I don't want to do <laughs> they're anything They're not going like to sag. In a I'm few sorry? Years. And JPEGs aren't going to sag in a few years. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yes, we have to watch gravity at all times. Oh, I know. Um, but what was really great was uh, the fans were just, we were having fun with them. And I told Jay Lethal, if he really wants to imitate the Macho Man, I've got an idea for him. Every 30 minutes, yell at me for no reason. And he did. And I laughed because, <laughs> believe, believe it or not, that was how Randy showed his love. And that's what I miss the most. You know, like, Lenny, come on. Stop talking to those people and get over here. Yeah. And, you know, and it was just so funny. Um, it was like bringing him back. He's able to channel the spirit of the macho man. Yes. Yeah, so he had, to, he had to bully me every 30 minutes, which was fun. And, uh, yeah, you know, but Randy had a great personality. So when he did it, he got away with it because it was so much fun because of his, you know, he made a little white bread sandwich. Lenny, uh, you, you had a good match, but here's what you need to work on really, really bad. Yeah, but don't, don't get discouraged because it's happening for you. You know what I mean? It's like... um I'm not saying uh, he made it fun. He made learning fun, you know, and uh, he, boy, did he have a lot to teach. How did it feel being out there at age 63 after being away for so long? Were you nervous or worried about getting hurt and getting something wrong out there? I was, um, yes, I was nervous. I'm always um, a little keyed up. What I was trying to do is not pull a Buckner. Uh, he let the ball go through his legs at Fenway Park. You know what I'm sure. saying? Uh, you know, and uh, he was like famous for ruining the uh, Boston's chances, uh, you know, and 
he was a Hall of Fame caliber player, but that's not what he's remembered for. So this match was so great, and I only had a few things to do in it. But I remember uh, before I jumped into the ring, I told Jay Lethal, I said, Jay, tell me when. And he says, now. And I went into the ring and I threatened Bubba. And then he kicked me in the mommy daddy buttons. And I went down, you know, because the thing is the, the ring general was Jay Lethal. And I didn't want to do something at the wrong moment. You know, I could, I remembered what I had to do. I mean, that was easy. But the thing is, the timing of the match was being orchestrated by the master, the veteran, Jay Lethal, and I yield to the maestro. If I had been the um, quarterback of that match, I would have been the guy to say now. But he has such a great timing, I wanted to check with him as to when to enter the ring to, uh, you know, try to fire up against Bubba. And, you know, it was... Yes, I was nervous and I was relieved when I didn't make any mistakes that would have said, hey, you took the edge off of our finish. When did you find out that you were actually going to be used on TV? Um, the day before, uh, when I was at uh, StarCast. Mm -hmm. But, and, but even um, when you showed up on the day, you, you, you were telling me that it wasn't 100% sure if you would go in front of the crowd, but you knew you were going to be doing a backstage vignette. Well, the thing is, it was it was all Jay's idea. I didn't know that he had all this clout. But if he would have been overruled, I would have accepted it. I was actually supposed to read a poem, um, and then uh, but they were running late, so they canned the poem. Um, and it was just going to be, my brother from another mother. How's your freaking head? You're morphing into black machismo, turquoise, green and red, a kaleidoscope of colors. You've got coursing through your veins. Macho Madness lives again. I feel it in my brains. You know, the fans didn't miss much, you know, and at least our audience got to hear it. But the thing is, it was getting late, and they had a 10 o'clock curfew. Right. You know, with the pay-per-view. Pay yeah. And you know how it is when you got a bunch of young, excited guys. They don't want to... Uh, they, they don't want to cut it short. They want to go long. And that puts the people under pressure. And the only thing I felt was wrong with the evening is the young bucks had to hurry because they were on last. And I don't think those young bucks should be hurried. They're so great. Um, and, you know, they have so much more to give. But the thing is, uh, they, they were at the end and they had a time curfew. And uh, their backs were against the wall. Now, yeah, so that, made a, that main event, had, it was originally supposed to be 30 minutes, and I think it got cut down to 14 or 15, but it still played out, but it did come off a bit rushed, but that's just, unfortunately, the way things go when taping live. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, um, I'm hearing a lot of f feedback about the only negative thing of the show um, was Joey Ryan. In my opinion, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. He said, well, there's too many penises. I said, well, what would you like to do? Have uh, half as many? If you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? And like, it was like... Balls to the wall. Yeah, right. It was like uh, The Undertaker. No, I thought it had a huge crowd reaction, you know, and uh, I thought it worked. I thought it was fun. You know, um, what's wrong with having a little fun at the matches? Yeah, a lot of the old timers... Um we're hitting up social media and complaining. This isn't what wrestling should be. You know, it's like old man yelling at cloud with fist in the air. You know what I mean? Uh, but 
the game's changing. You know, the fans are entertained differently than the ones from the 80s and the 90s and, and so on. And it entertains people. You know, for me, I think it's okay. I, I, it's, it's not my cup of tea, 100%. But to be fair, people like it. It's not affecting me. Put it out there. Do what works. Well, especially, uh, I like the placement of, you know, there was like this brutal things done with uh, Hangman and the, and the ladder and the, these bumps were just like deadly. And oh then, my God, it's not, it looked like like Joey died. He missed the table in that one spot when he was thrown off. And I'm sitting there watching the screen thinking, get up, <laughs> stand up. So after that, you know, a little comedy doesn't hurt. And if it didn't get over, how come the fans were enjoying it so much? That's my point. That's right. You made up a point about The Undertaker. I just had a funny thought. Imagine if The Undertaker, with all the smoke coming up and his music playing, and the Druids came out in penis costumes. <laughs> How would he have been remembered today? Wow, it would be... Um, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, uh, and you got to give credit to Flip Gordon, young guy like that throwing his body all over the place. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I didn't feel like a manager. I, I thought I was just a fan that had the best seat. And uh, I kept lo looking behind me and said, am I in your way? They said, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You know, the, to the fans, I would say. And I tried to lower myself, you know, and kind of genuflect at the ring level so I wouldn't get my, oh, seven and three quarter hat size in people's way. I, you know, they paid big money for those tickets. <laughs> Yeah, I was you know, watching you on the outside. No, you were playing it well, like as if you practiced that. And that was probably the first time you were out there at the ring. I was winging it out there, yes. Um, I was not involved in uh, any intricate high spots or anything. But the whole match was an intricate high spot. Did you see that match? I did, of course. It was amazing. I mean, uh, there was not one low spot in the whole match. I, I'm, You know, all these old timers get on podcast and say you know in the 80s we really had wrestling not like the stuff today oh yeah i remember the 70s and 80s as people my age like uh, i don't belong in the ring i feel but we had people that didn't know when to quit big fat old men that would put foreign objects in their trunks reach into it and gouge your eyes and then you're supposed to hide it from the referee and blah 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 that's not wrestling. That's cheating or uh, shortcuts. Um, but when you've got all that talent and you can't wait to use it because you want to give those people everything you have, and it seems like every match is a game of can you top this? And I'm thinking in the next 10 years, wouldn't it be, oh, I just wonder where wrestling's going if, if the athleticism keeps, they keep raising the bar. You know, the, in, in, in sports, um, the only guy that I've seen dominate is um, Hussein Bolt, the right. sprinter from Jamaica. Hey, he's now playing um, soccer. Yeah, I mean, this guy. There's no limit to this guy, but usually, uh, every every four years, there's a better, faster, younger guy. But this time, it's just been Bolt, Bolt, and Bolt. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I met him one time. What a fantastic guy! And I made him laugh because I said, "You get the big bamboo mom." which is, um, you can imagine what that means in um, what you call Jamaica speak. And he laughed and he said, oh, Lanny, that's so great. Thank you so much. And uh, we, what a fantastic guy, uh, fastest man in the world. And wow, what genetics he had. 
No kidding. Now, you were talking about in the 80s using those foreign objects, and it came off a bit cartoony and such. Now those foreign objects are replaced with red suckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lollipop. Yeah. Truly, though, that moment of you going out to the ring with Jay Lethal and your brother's pomp and circumstance music playing in the background, many consider that to be their favorite moment of the night. What I have here is some audio clip of a fan's recording of you being introduced in the ring. You could just hear the excitement. Let's have a listen. What a star. I mean, what I liked was how he was able to seamlessly transition from, you know, black machismo character into Jay Lethal again. And then, and then of course, back into channeling the Macho Man. Really amazing stuff. And at the start of that match, when he kept pulling Brandy Rhodes over to his side of the ring, being protective, boy, that tugged at my heartstrings. It was like the Elizabeth spots. I know, know it was amazing. It was amazing, and put him when he put her on his shoulders, man. That was great. I'll tell you what. I don't think I could have lifted her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that old that's age a, speaking. Well, you know the thing is, I don't like bending over for any reason anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and <laughs> having to pick up a girl. You know what I mean? What if you can't and everything? I'd I'd have to rehearse that a while, right? And um, maybe wear one of those uh, lifting belts. Wear one under your shirt. Um, how would you compare Jay Lethal to the stars of your generation? He's better than the stars of my generation. Everybody's better. Um, everybody on that card was better. And I was about to jump in and interrupt you. Sure. Uh, the, the, about the best part, this and that. No, I think the best part of the evening, in my opinion, um, Chris Jericho, his emergence into the storyline. Yeah. I thought that was the best. And what was really great, I don't know where he was all day. As a matter of fact, I thought he was going to be there and I was looking for him because, you know, I was on his podcast, uh, I don't know, uh, three years ago and uh, I enjoyed his podcast. He's great. Yeah, I it's one it. of my favorites as well. Yeah, because talk is Jericho. What a fantastic guy, you know, and uh, he's the guy is multi-talented. I don't like rap music, but I do appreciate that he made it is you know fozzy uh he tours rock rock music not rap <clears throat> what is it what i don't even listen to that it's like, it's like metal uh rock music it's like channeling the uh, hair bands of the 80s to be fair it's quite good i mean you well, should check them out on youtube they got some great um, tunes i i've got i've got Judas um, is one that comes to mind one of their songs you know i've got alexa here but i changed her name you know i've got one in my bedroom and i've got one in the living room um, I've got the show, uh, you know what I'm talking about? The Amazon show? Yes, of course. And, um, I never asked for that music. I asked for, uh, play a little ABBA, uh, okay. Or play a little, um, you know, I'm interested in Mario Lanza. That's a bit you know, boring. 
yeah, but the, the thing is, it's and then I had I had company over and I said play some harp music because and you know that trust me that puts a little music in the air without hurting conversations. What you need to you do know? is say play a bit of hair metal next time you have people over and and try to keep the conversation sane. Well, <laughs> I, the people I invite over don't appreciate that type of music. So um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I didn't see Chris Jericho in the back because he was, I guess, kayfabe with the boys, you know? Yeah. But um, I didn't think he was there. And then all of a sudden he's there and he steals the show again. Every show he's on, he does that. Of course, that's a hard show to steal because it's like the match before was also great. And this, and they got a lot of talent. And the thing about Jericho, he's reinvented himself so many times over the years. And each time impresses me more. Incredible. What a talent. You know, um, you're, you're right. I mean, that guy's got it. And my brother loved him, by the way. You know, he was a Jericho-holic. And uh, he, he just appreciated a guy that may not be the biggest guy, but didn't let it stop him. And, you know, because when the bell rings, size becomes immaterial. Okay? And um, not that I'm against big guys. I believe in variety. You know, when you go to the circus, or when we used to go to the circus... You know, you wanted to see the daring young man and the flying trapeze, but you also wanted to see the three-headed geek or, you know, somebody. The you bearded know, lady. Yeah, something. You know, it, it all contributed to your evening. And the worst thing that happened to me on the trip turned out to be the best. My flight was delayed and delayed and delayed going home. But um, there were a lot of fans at the airport, and I had a chance to actually talk to them. And... um don't worry, I told him, hey, on Monday my podcast is coming in. He said, okay, we'll watch it. You know what I mean? So um, Grassroots. Yeah, start the ball rolling. Right. But it was fun to listen to the fans' take on the evening, you know, and uh, how happy they were. And to a, to a person, everybody admitted it lived up to the hype. And, you know, the fans have seen everything. They're jaded. They're bored. You know, they... They got nine ninety nine. They can see anything they want, and yet they all flew in from all over the world, and uh, everybody was. I said, "Was it worth the money, the tickets, the hotel?" And the, yes, everything was worth it. And one of the reasons is um, because Cody Rose, the Young Bucks, you know, um, Marty Squirrel, all those people, um, they're nice to the fans. They know what it's. That's the most important thing. And um, if you're not nice to the fans, why should they even show up and support you? You know, but I have nothing to teach them about that because I saw them in action. They treat people well. They're nice in the locker room. And they're, you know, this, this is the ring of honor. And it's like everybody's got the same mindset. We're not going to bite the hand that feeds us. You know, when a fan flies in all the way from somewhere, spends their money... And if you don't treat them nicely, uh, woe to you. And you don't deserve, you know, anything that... Um, you deserve an empty arena and starvation if you don't treat the fans nicely. I mean, everything from, I mean, StarCast all the way up to the big show was amazing for the fans. Now, I'm from Chicago. Uh, I was very sad to be away from this whole thing because it was literally in the town over from where I was brought up. I'm from Palatine. This was in Hoffman Estates in Schaumburg. These are bordering towns. Very sad but just keeping up on social media and reading online. And we have to big up 
Conrad Thompson, he's the one who put together StarCast. He's become the top of the podcast mountain. He's he's a lovely guy. He's he's great at what he's doing and he's putting he's making everyone come together for the right cause. It is a great time to be a fan of pro wrestling. You do not have to watch WWE to be excited, to get the best. Bravo to everyone involved. Well, Conrad came up to me and said, Lanny, thank you for being here. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so proud to be here. I'm from Downers Grove, Illinois. And, uh, you know, this is my home. And I'm just happy to be here. And uh, I said, where are you from? He says, Huntsville, Alabama. And I said, the Von Braun Civic Center. He says, there you go. And, you know, we had that kinship because one of the great things about being a wrestler, um, I got to go all over the world and it didn't cost me a penny. And, you know, Huntsville, Alabama um, is the home of one of the all-time greatest, beautiful Bobby Eaton. What a fantastic guy he was. And I, I got it. I wrestled him when he was young and he says, um, I could under, I could barely understand a word he said, but he said, what'd you think of my match, Mr. Poffo? I said, hey, my name is Lanny. I'm only, you know, not much older than you. And uh, uh, I said, I think you're going to be fantastic. I said, you just don't get discouraged and keep doing this. You're going to be one of the all-time greats. And I knew it. I felt it. And guess what? He accomplished that. And uh, he never did get good at interviews, but who needs to be a great interview when you got Jimmy Cornette? Oh, yeah. Jim Cornette, he's the absolute best. The best, yes. But, uh, you know, the Midnight Express, they defined tag team greatness in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. But they, they never went to WWE. We don't count the new Midnight Express, but they were fantastic. No, they didn't. They made it to the Hall of Fame. And you know what? Um, they deserve every penny of whatever they get. And uh, I know that they... Dennis Condry, uh, and they got replaced. And, uh, you know, I don't know the intricate backstage. But in 1983, when I was working for Bill Watts, my best matches were against the Midnight Express. And I think you'll find that in their day, everybody's best match was against them. We have a lot of articles up on ProWrestlingStories.com about the Midnight Express. In fact, there's one article in particular written by my writer, Bobby Matthews, entitled, Unstoppable, the Midnight Express defined tag team greatness. It's well worth the read. If you don't know much about them, it goes through their whole backstory. In fact, this article's got the stamp of approval by Jim Cornette himself. So give it a look if you want to learn more about them. Let me let me interrupt you before my uh, my ancient brain gets distracted. Um, you know, the best thing I've ever done for my brother in my life, and um, consequentially to the wrestling fans, and I already told this story on the DVD, but let's get into it here because this is our show. Randy had every piece of the puzzle, puzzle but one. Believe it or not, he couldn't do the interviews. He was having anxiety. He felt he was lost. Um, he tried several ways. He was, he was having a problem, and he came to me for help, and he never did that, ever. That's why it meant something to me. He said, Lanny, uh, you're doing so well in the interviews. Can you help me? I said, you don't need any help. You're doing well. He says, no, 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 I'm not doing well. I don't feel confident. I don't think I have a, you know, he's actually uh, asking me for help. And I said, man, he never did that. I mean, this is the only time he ever asked me for help, you know, because he, I got it. You know, <laughs> he's the guy, very confident guy and very um, adaptable and he could learn anything quickly. I was, uh, you know, I'm telling you, um, 
So I said, um, okay, let's steal a guy. Uh, who do you like? And he says, what Savage interview do you most admire? Savage type of interview. He says, courtesy Ikea and Pampero Furpo. I said, remember in Hawaii? And remember, I told this story, but here's what I forgot to tell you. Um, I've become friends with Mary Pampero Furpo's daughter. She, you know, contacted me through my website, GeniusLannyPapo.com, uh, about four or five years ago. And then when I, when I did the uh, Hall of Fame speech in uh, San Jose, uh, I arranged for Pampero Furpo, who's losing his cognitive ability, to come uh, to the show. And uh, with the entire, it's not the Furpo family, their name is, his name is Juan Kachmanian. You know, um, he's a, He's an Armenian from Argentina. He speaks about eight languages. And uh, it was so great to reacquaint him with people like Bruno San Martino because when uh, Pampero Furpo was in New York wrestling uh, for uh, WWF, um, Vince McMahon Sr., um, the, Bruno and him became very dear friends. And it, was, it, it made me feel important that I was able to bring... Furpo went to, to see all the guys, and they were so nice to him. And uh, Mary is the biggest fan of Jim Cornette. And so I was, in, um, I was in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and there was Jim Cornette, and I said, I said, Pampero Furpo's daughter, believe it or not, you think she's going to be a hairy uh, tattoo, you know what I mean, a circus freak, you know. She is gorgeous. She is beautiful. And she's a school teacher. She's got a master's degree. And, you know, the phenomenal. And she's married to uh, a top policeman in San Jose. Very nice guy. And, um, you know, just uh, two excellent children and, you know, living. Um, so, you know, Jim Cornette, he's a, he's a terrific guy. I, I said, please, we'll do a little FaceTime with her. He says, after it was over, he says, she's beautiful. I said, I know you didn't expect Pampero Furpo's daughter to be so beautiful, did you? I said, it must have taken after the mother. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, she's not only, she's, um, and she's listening too. So I'm just telling you, you know, here I am speaking to you confidentially. Um, but she is Jim Cornette's biggest fan. I said, no, you're not. I'm his biggest fan. We're big fans too. Now, going back to Furpo, I... Uh, you used inspiration off of him for Randy. His iconic, oh yeah, came from him. Yeah, and Randy said, do you think uh, we have to call him up and ask for permission to do that? And I said, no. I said, I think I'm pretty sure the Beatles did it before, you know, and then before that, I think Louis Armstrong did it. Um, it's not, but you've, Louis Armstrong goes, oh yeah. And the, the Beatles did it their way. And you know, uh, Pampero from yeah. and Macho Man, ooh, yeah. So, you know, I don't think you need to uh, ask permission to say, oh, yeah. I think you got to carve out your own, you know, individuality. Um, that's the key. You know, I never, I never claimed to be a great worker or whatever this, you know what I mean? I don't think my name comes up when they mention great workers. But I tried to have my own individuality, whether it was a baby face or a heel. You know, I created a character of the genius. And uh, Leaping Lanny was always Mr. Optimistic. And, uh, you know, no matter what the odds were, I was a suffering hero. And I would try to, you know, it, 
that's how you get the fans behind you. That was my psychology of Leaping Lanny. It was vague, but the genius was kind of in your face. Well, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and your brother took what was out there, what, what inspired him, and made it his, made it better. Right, and I'll tell you what, um, Randy loved Jay Lethal. He enjoyed the act, you know, and uh, actually a, a mutual friend of ours, the late um, uh, Ed Schumann, uh, got a three-way call with um, Randy and Ed Schumann and um, Jay Lethal. And Randy gave him his blessings. Yeah, just uh, just remember, uh, the only sure thing in this wrestling business is that there's no sure things. So work hard, save your money, and good luck with that gimmick, and I'll be watching. But Randy loved watching Jay Lethal perform, and that's the reason I love being Jay Lethal's manager. I mean, I don't know how far it's going to go. Uh, I don't, you know, it's eventually going to run out and they're going to quit calling. Who knows? It doesn't matter. I got to be at all in. And if it never, if they never call me again, I'm still happy. And what a moment you had. You know, you read online. I was reading some of the fans' comments and such um, saying, oh, that's copyright infringement. You know, Jay shouldn't be taking Randy's shtick. But many of them don't realize that Randy gave his blessings to him to use the Macho Man character. That's right, and uh, I'll tell you where I got the jacket. By the way, um, no, Jay doesn't own the jacket. It's uh, Dr. Marty, Dr. Marty Urban, who is an implantologist, which is a dentist of gum diseases and uh, you know putting titanium into your mouth for uh, possible you know uh, new teeth. Sure. And it's uh, he's a very dear friend of mine. About three Christmases ago, I performed at a all dental party of 150 people, uh, dentists and their wives and, you know, their mistresses or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I did a little, uh, you know, just a little poetry, a little fun, a little humor and jokes. And, and uh, we became friends. And in his home, he's got um, World War One memorabilia. He's got Olympic gold medals. And he also has about eight costumes with the Macho Man. So... I mean, this guy is serious. He owns, so, he owns eight costumes that used to belong to your brother. Yes. And he, you know, bought and paid for. So um, that was that jacket that Jay Lethal wore was on loan from Dr. Marty Urban. So we took good care of it. And, you know, I'm going to bring it back to him. So, you know, it's uh, in fact, he wants to buy the pants that Jay Lethal wore with the hat that he wore. Because that was all Jay, that was, that was Jay Lethal's um that was his garb. And, you know, they did a FaceTime with him. You know what I mean? And so I think it's great that I know a guy that's got all his costumes. I mean, not all of them, but I thought it added to the show. It did. It was it was sentimental. I mean, how did it feel watching Jay wear your brother's ring gear in honor of your brother? I don't think anybody could have worn it better besides the Macho Man himself, you know. And, uh, you know, the, anything that keeps his memory alive. Look, haters gonna hate. They say, oh, we don't like that, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Uh, did you hear the people pop? Randy would have loved it. Randy, all he wanted to do was pop the audience. That's all he wanted to do. And he had, he, you know, sometimes he did it ad lib and sometimes he did it painstakingly. But as long as he popped the audience, he was a happy man. And you had that vignette in the back where 
your hand. And a lot of fans were like, oh, I think that's Lanny's white pasty arm. It certainly looks like it. And it was. You slapped him on the back and he just morphed into it. And then after Flip's entrance, Jay came out with pomp and circumstance with you behind him with frisbees in tow. Incredible. You could just hear the roar of the crowd. It was uh, one last run or who knows, might be the first of many. Who knows? I hope so. Now, those frisbees... Um, you had a chance to throw a couple in. Now you were telling me a story earlier in the week about how you know you went to Walmart, you bought those six frisbees, you're bringing them to all in. You don't even know if you're going to use them. You sure as hell did. Well, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Because if I'm going to be a babyface or a good guy, uh, frisbees was my gimmick. And as a heel, uh, I didn't throw frisbees. But you know the thing is. I stole the idea from Al Costello and Roy Hefferman, the, fa the fabulous kangaroos. Their manager was Wild Red Berry. You can go on YouTube and see their matches from the 1960s. Mm -hmm. they, had a, they both had boomerangs carved by Aborigines. You couldn't throw that to the audience. You'll kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. you know, but they had cardboard. I don't know what it was made of. Pressed paper, cardboard, stock paper. I don't know what it was. But they had um, like heavy paper boomerangs with the pictures of Roy Hefferman, Al Costello, information about them, um, you know, in small font. And um, they would throw those to the audience. And the reason I remember is because my brother and I were boys and we used to run and scamper for those um, boomerangs. And I knew as a fan how exciting it was to have somebody throw something from the ring. So when I became Leaping Lanny, the poet laureate of wrestling, I made all these uh, poems and I rolled them into scrolls and I threw that from the ring. Well, I couldn't get it over the guardrail. So I'm saying, well, this is a big flop. And I said, maybe I, what, what else could I do? And I said, well, what's going to fly? And I said, I can't do boomerangs because I'm not Australian. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Frisbees. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I went to, I went and, uh, to the printing place and had uh, poetry put it put on the frisbee. I'll tell you what the poem was. The World Wrestling Federation has caused a culture shock in every phase of our society, from classical to rock. In triumphant jubilation, every social class is one with a single common interest, just to have a little fun. I've seen the rapture in the eyes of fans from every nation. You made us what we are today, World Wrestling Federation. And I just want to say... I've written a lot of poems, but I felt that was like one of my best ones because it it took the essence of what it's so why is it so great to be a wrestling fan? Just to have a little fun. That's all they want. So um if if um famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan uh wasn't having so much fun out there, how come the people almost you know I hate to use the pun, but they almost popped the roof off roof off the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, uh, it was orgasmic when he came out there. Those fans enjoyed it. And then you got all these uh, internet trolls saying, oh, that was wrong and everything. Yeah, you know what? Lighten up. Enjoy yourself. That's right. I'm going to go into a question. I actually had this sent in to us um, earlier in the week. But it, it comes along with your uh, Frisbee story. H1Z1 underscore Swizzle on Reddit said, I don't remember the exact date, but it was in the 80s when he saw you in Boston as Leaping Lanny Poffo. You were throwing those Frisbees into the crowd when 
he unintentionally caught a frisbee to the face. Um, I think he says, I think you saw it happen because you had a grimace on your face, like, ooh, that had to hurt. And he still he wishes he had that frisbee. He doesn't anymore. Do you have any memories of taking out members of the audience with your frisbees? Oh, you're gonna get people ideas to litigate. But uh, there was one time, <clears throat> there was one time in uh, Long Island, uh, Nassau Coliseum, Uniondale, Long Island. Um, by the way, I've been there like five times in the last three months. Um, I, I was I was there the day I met you. That's uh, right. You know, because um, Evan Ginsburg lives in Queens, and uh, we hung out. We had a great time, and who'd have thought it would culminate to this, huh? That's right. Life works in strange ways. But anyway, many years ago in Uniondale, Long Island, I threw frisbees to the audience, and a big guy um, reached for a frisbee and knocked over a little guy, and I, I was, I felt terrible. You know, that I had, it, the Frisbee didn't do the damage, but it was the reaching for the Frisbee by a big bully against a weaker person. You know, it, it was it was a little rough, but, uh, oh, I hate thinking about it. I'm just trying to make the fans happy, that's all. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. And a Frisbee to the mouth is not the worst thing in the world. If any of our listeners actually have a Frisbee that they got from the audience from Lanny, send it in to us at thegeniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. Or you can send it to our social media accounts at the Genius Cast or at Lanny Poffo. It would be fun to see a picture and share it on our social media accounts so that they could see the frisbee and the poem attached if it's still there. Oh yeah, well these these uh, poems were embossed on the frisbee. I would write something on the other side and uh, signed a lot of them. They sold them for three dollars a piece at the venues, and I would always go there and sign them and. Uh, I've got, uh, I used to get a nickel of Frisbee, and I've got so many nickels now you wouldn't believe it. Because you are quite frugal, as we learned in the first episode. Uh, no, just sensible. Sensible. That's um, a better way to put yes. it. Yes. Uh, you know, the, I'll tell you what, the um, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. You know, um, if, listen, I'm not here to give a lecture. Uh, just go on YouTube and get um, The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, and and you don't have to buy a book. You just listen to uh, some great actor read that book to you. It's um, all the wisdom in the world is in that book. So I don't have to go on. It's lecture time. No, the purpose of this podcast is just like the World Wrestling Federation used to be and Ring of Honor and WWE, just to have a little fun. What's wrong with that? That's right. Now, you were actually on Reddit uh, a couple times in the last couple months. You did an Ask Me Anything session two months ago in promotion for 350 days. And then recently you've been popping in and out, taking questions from the readers over there. And somebody suggested that we um, we label the subjects Lanny's Lecture Hall. I think that's a bit funny. But as you were the genius, it's okay for you to do a bit of lecturing from time to time. Yes, I'm going to get in my soapbox and pontificate. Good word. So, no, the big deal about me was I'm not really a genius. The only thing real about my gimmick is as Leaping Lanny and the genius, I wrote my own poetry and recited my own poetry. That's all, it, you know, that was the only, which makes me the only real gimmick besides Andre being a real giant and according to Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts being really a snake. So that was like... <laughs> So, um, 
I just, um, the difference between me and the regular people is everybody was into pleasure, power, and possession. I was into health, wealth, and freedom. That was the difference. Do you have any final thoughts about All In Weekend? Yes, I am very grateful to Jay Lethal. And uh, Jay Lethal, because it was his idea that I would add to the black machismo and the macho madness. And I think he's right. I'm the only living member of the Pafu clan. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's excellent that we especially since Randy was from Downers Grove and so was I, you know what I'm saying, uh, Downers Grove, Illinois. Um, he built himself from Sarasota, but, you know, Downers Grove North High School, just go walk into there and you'll see um, that Randy was All-State two years in a row in baseball. So Randy Poffo, Randy Mario Poffo. So um, I thank Jay Lethal for suggesting that I would add to the show and I thank everybody else at Ring of, Ring of Honor for not kiboshing the idea. You know, like say, no, we can't have Lanny. Nobody likes him. You know what I mean? Everybody. And, you know, what really, you know, I got emotional because um, Matt and Nick of the Young Bucks, not together, but separately said, Lanny, thanks for being here. You're, and I said, hey, thank you. You know, I'm not coming from Madison Square Garden. I'm coming from the couch. Uh, I said, this makes me feel so young to be around young people that are trying to put on a greatest show on earth. And, you know, they've got a lot to, uh, it's an uphill climb because the fans have seen a lot of great shows. And what what I was so proud of, they lived up to the hype, didn't they? They did. Yeah. It, It was people like you, your brother, and wrestlers from your era that paved the way for wrestlers like the Young Bucks and Cody and so on. So... It's great to see them giving back that respect. It's mutual. I made a little list of people to thank. Do you mind if I go through it? Not a problem. This is your show. This is your venue. Take it away. Okay, Mark Brown. Who is Mark Brown? Well, he was destiny for me. I sat next to him on Southwest Airlines to uh, New Orleans on my way to WrestleCon, which was a part of WrestleMania in New Orleans. And he invited me to Lakeland. He invited me to, gave me the email address of Hunter Johnston. And he is the man behind the scenes at Ring of Honor. And then when I got there, Frankie Kazarian, um, 1987 LA Sports Arena. I was the first wrestler he ever met. He was just a bashful boy. And he gives me credit for giving such a, I guess I encouraged him and he became such a big star and I feel really good about that. And then when I got to Lakeland and the Ring of Honor, I met Matt and Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks and they invited me to be on their premiere edition of Being the Elite, show 101. Check it out on YouTube if you haven't already. And I got the chance to work with Hangman Page and uh, Jay Lethal resurrected my career and Ryan from Pro Wrestling Tees for making uh, the Brother from Another Mother t-shirt such a big success. Evan Ginsberg, um, Genius Cast would never have happened if he hadn't introduced us. And Shalanda Royale, she sang the national anthem at All In, and she could soften the hardest of hearts. And boy, do we ever need that now. Alicia Atut, AMBY Interviews for... Oh, she was so nice to me, and she gave me such a great interview. 
Chico El Luchador for including me on his hilarious YouTube. Um, it hasn't played yet, but when it does, we're going to warn you. Michael Craven from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Some big excitement is going to be happening out of that duo. And Dr. Marty Urban for letting me borrow the Macho Man's jacket and giving it to Jay Lethal to borrow. And uh, he made such a great intro. And last but not least, my brother, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Randy Poffo. If anybody remembers my name, it'll be because of his. Hi Lanny, this is David from Cardiff, Wales. I was really excited when you announced your podcast on Reddit, so I thought I'd write you a poem in the style of your infamous promo leading into your match against Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event. Here it goes. Pay attention, listen quick. The genius has a podcast that is sure to stick. Listen to his stories through time, and I'm sure you will talk about his brother's prime. We're all excited, we just can't wait. I hope the Genius Podcast will not be late. Thanks, Lanny. Really enjoyed your first episode, and I look forward to more. Your friend from Cardiff, Wales, David. You know, I got to hang out with Ray Mysterio Jr., and uh, what, I'll tell you, one of my brother's favorite people in the world, in the world, was uh, the guy that does DDP yoga. Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, because Randy loved that feud he had with him. A classic. And uh, he's such a positive guy. And we talked for about an hour with Ray Mysterio Jr. And, you know, there's when you get there at 11, uh, there's a lot of downtime. And, you know, if you don't have fun with some of the boys, uh, and you never know when you're going to see each other again because it seems like three wrestlers die a month. But um, Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Right. It's terrible, you know. And... Uh, you know, you know what I never figured out? Um, you know, I take care of myself. I'm a diet guy and health foods and I read and, you know. And here, Nikolai Volkov, who was just as fanatical about health as I am, you know, he passes away last month. And uh, the Iron Sheik, who's been trying to commit suicide for 40 years, uh, he's still alive. And I just don't, I just don't get it. But yeah. I'll tell you what I heard, you know, Nikolai had a heart attack, and he's in, I think, Johns Hopkins, Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, and they want to give him two stents, and he refused, and he left the hospital, went home, and died. So, now, I'm not trying to be gossipy, uh, but whoever's listening to this podcast, and I guess it's, you know, a lot of people, um, if the doctor tells you you need two stents, please get them. Um, stupid, you know, I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, um, your life is on the line and they just don't put stents in for their health. They do it for your health. So, you know, if you've had a heart attack, take advantage of the fact that we're in the 21st century, please. Don't be stubborn. And that, that, that makes me think of your brother. One thing that I took from that DVD on the Macho Man was Hogan talking about how he went to the doctor about a month after your your brother passed away and, and he and Hulk and your brother shared the same doctor and the doctor told Hulk Hogan that he had recommended to Randy to get a test done and if your brother had done that test he'd still be with us today that that hits hard the one error there is my brother took my mother 
to the uh, to the doctors, and that's where the um, that's where the nurse says, "Well, Hulk Hogan is here. Ooh, Hulk Hogan is here. Uh, bring me over to that guy." And he went over there, and um, all was forgiven. That be a man, Hulk, and all that crap, you know, which I hated. I hated yeah. um, because, like I say, how would you like to be in my shoes? I love them both. Um, my my brother did everything for me. Um, even now I'm, I'm on his, uh, coattails because, um, what was the purpose of having me except that I'm the brother of another mother with Jay Lethal, you know, that's mm -hmm. the gimmick and, uh, Hulk Hogan, what has he done for me? Um, I think, you know, um, he took a jabroni and made me a, you know, like a piece of gum on his shoe for four months. He couldn't shake me for four months and I got to go to wrestle on main events for four months. And like I said in the last podcast, um, two main events in Madison Square Garden. That's not as many as Bruno San Martino, but um, it was worth it to me. I, you know, maybe, you understand, I feel grateful. So I'm not, just because Hulk hasn't done anything for me lately, isn't 18, 1989 and 1990 good enough? I, I didn't earn it, I was selected. Okay, nobody earns anything in wrestling. We're selected. And uh, I was, I'll tell you what, Randy asked me to write a couple of songs for the Be A Man Hulk. And I said, I can't, I can't, I won't. He said, why not? I said, um, he lost to me in NBC. How about that? And then I was involved in a storyline for four months after having been sucking hind tit on the sow, as they say in the farm, you know, uh, for all that time. Uh, I'm grateful. I can't do it. Okay, can you do something for Mr. Perfect? Yes, and I wrote A Perfect Friend. It's uh, it's on that Be a Man Hulk. Great song. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, I did it with love, and uh, I don't want to say bad things about Hulk Hogan. My God, that's like biting the hand that feeds me or fed me. Even now, um... I get a lot of uh, requests to come in because because of my uh, because of my match with Hulk Hogan. That's what put me on the map. But you know, can I tell you, JP? I'm going to tell you something. Um, you know what probably got me hot enough for Hulk to want to do it? It's um, I owe it all to Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard. Yes, five days before um, before the fact. Uh, he sees me and he says, um, can you write a poem about this and that? You're going to present me with an honorary PhD. And I'll tell you what, that made me. Uh, Bruce Pritchard made me. You know, I could feel the difference that uh, I had the legitimacy of being on his show. Um, why don't you, you know, you're always looking for clips. Why don't you play that thing? One of my favorites. There is a sincere man. Jesse. A man who has appropriately been called by name that best describes his intellectual prowess. I give to you now the one. 
should be great. Oh, my. Why, he's too smart for you? Welcome. You don't understand Welcome, me? Brother Look genius. at this guy. You know, Brother Genius, there are a lot of dummies here in the WWF. Talking about you, and Vince. I just want you to know what a pleasure it is to be standing up here with a true genius. Tell Brother Love, what words do you have to impart to us today? I've told you I'm the genius and the world's smartest man, and no one is superior to me. But I appear before you not to glorify myself, but to present an honorary PhD. Congratulations, brother love, my endomorphic friend with the rosiest complexion ever seen. Your glasses can't begin to hide that twinkle in your eyes or your loving mannerisms so pristine. Your little nose is aquiline, not bulbous or baroque, with dashing dimples on a double chin. But loveliest of all is when you spread your pouting lips and it reveals your smiling 32 within. This man is love personified as anyone can see. He's standing here as peaceful as a dove. By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, I proclaim you here and now, Doctor of Love. Oh, uh, what? what? Doctor of I'm Love, I think you said. Simply overwhelmed. Look at this. Is this robe he's going to put on Brother Love? A Doctor of Love degree. Give me a break. Bruce Pritchard, what a fantastic guy! And uh, he, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the. Sometimes they say, "Okay, write a poem about this," and then I'm gonna, like, I had ten minutes to write a poem. You know, this I had five days thanks to Bruce Pritchard. Uh, you know, it takes a little time, and if you want to put a little more time into it, you know, it's nice to have a little more time. I said some things about Pat Patterson and about Jerry Lawler on the last show. That's right. But didn't I always? say what what I admired about both guys. See what I mean? And the only thing I, the, my only point was that they shouldn't have used that DVD for Randy as a critical thing about how he ran his marriage or um, whatever. You see what I mean? Or, or um, in other words, don't speak ill of the dead, but really don't speak ill of the dead on their, on their DVD. It should have been only praise. And I got a little negativity, but... Um, when I knock guys, I always give the devil his dues. I never said Jerry Lawler wasn't a fantastic talent in the business, and I gave him thanks for everything he did for the Poffo family. And I also said that Pat Patterson wasn't a great worker. He was the greatest of them all in 1967. I don't know how long that happened, but that was the year I saw him. It's unfortunate that the narrative when we do talk about your brother, it always does include his relationship with Miss Elizabeth and a bit of negativity comes through those conversations. It's part of his story. You're here to clear up the rumors and let us know what it was really like. By the way, you had a clip of my father right. um, you know, talking about being the miser and everything. That was a, that was a gimmick. He was trying to get heat. That wasn't Angelo Papo. That was the character that he was portraying. So, he, you know, the thing is, he could laugh at himself, but I don't want people laughing at him now. Freak out! It's the Macho Man Clip of the Week. Oh, yeah! Am I going to be interrupting him? 
Well, he might be. Look at this. Does he do this all the time, continually working out? Well, that's right. Continuous workout for him. All right, Elizabeth. Very, very impressive. As is this man, the Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man Randy Savage. Mr. TV Good the announcer. How you doing? Good to see you again, sir. Good to see me. Yeah, do you really believe that? I mean, everything's hit between us. No problems, right, Elizabeth? No problems, right? Came in nice and easy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Really good. This year, that's positive. It's beautiful. The home is beautiful. The entire... The entire layout is just gorgeous. Talk to me, Gene Okerlund. Would you like to talk to me? Let's Fine. talk wrestling. Wrestling, yes. I am very great at wrestling, aren't I? Yeah. Intercontinental heavyweight champion, right, Elizabeth? That's yep. right. Okay, is that satisfying my, uh, yeah, goals? No, it is not. No. I got it all, Gene Oakland. I got it all here. Well, I can see you've got quite a bit uh, substantial wealth, of course, that you've uh, acquired as being the Intercontinental Champion of the World, regardless of how you got that title belt on February the 8th, uh, 1986. First thing of the day. No problem there, but guess what? I was rich a long time ago before I even had an Intercontinental title match. That's right. No problem there at all with money. Three strives of man are pleasure, power, and possession. And pleasure, do I have pleasure, Elizabeth? Yeah, yes, all kinds can. of pleasure. Yes. See that? All kinds of pleasure, you know. And possessions, I've got possessions. Now, power. Power. I believe that there's only one thing left for me to do on this planet right here. And, and that is? Yeah, and that is? That I, is. I bet you can guess what that is. Tell me, you tell me. Will you tell me what that is? The heavyweight championship of the world. That's right. Hulk Hogan, yeah. You want it all, don't you? Oh, I want it all, man. I want it all. I am the greatest wrestler that ever lived, past, present, and future. No problem there. There's an airplane going by, and I'm not on it. You know why I'm not on it? No title defense right there. No, I'm ready right here. You know, I'm very curious, yeah, Macho yeah. Man Randy. Excuse me. All right. Excuse no me. problem. What'd you do? You've man? built a fortress here of sorts for yourself. Obviously, uh, you don't like the public around. No, I just uh, kind of stay by myself type of a thing. You know, like uh, some people say paranoid, but I just say that I like to hang around the right kind of people. And uh, who could be better uh, to hang around than myself? Isn't that right, Elizabeth? That's right. <laughs> the macho man Randy Savage with himself. Isn't that fantastic? Excuse me, Randy, yeah. would you be uh, terribly uh, at the risk of sounding negative? Do you mind if I conduct the interview? No problem, man. If you want to be negative, that's okay with me, you know, because uh, I'm on top of the world with one more door to knock on, and I will knock on that door. I'm very curious, Macho Man Randy Savage, does the pressure of being the Intercontinental Champion get to you? The pressure, man. I don't really feel the pressure about being the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, but the pressure of not being the World Heavyweight Champion is uh, really stymied. Oh, 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 oh. Macho Man, Gene, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is a real important phone call, Macho Man. It's, it's urgent. It's, well, it's urgent. It, it's, What's urgent? It's a national women's publication. They want to offer you a half a million dollars to pose for a centerfold. That's more than they offered oh, Burt Reynolds. A half a million dollars? Uh, yeah. Is that more than they, they offered Burt Reynolds? It's more than they offered Burt Reynolds. She just said that. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear it? Well, listen, let me tell you something right now. Hang up the phone. Yeah, macho madness is more seductive than sex. I know that, yeah. But I haven't sung my song yet. No, you got to wait a while. Yeah, a long time from now. They don't how deserve can, it. They how can you turn down a half a million dollars? I just did it. Did you hear me? Yeah, I got the money. I've got the pleasures. And now I want the power of Hulk Hogan. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's on his door right there. What, yeah. What now? Randy, I'm sorry. It's another imp important phone call. It's what a promoter. What's urgent now? Tell me. It's a promoter from Japan. He wants to offer you $400,000 just to come and wrestle three men. Four, 
We're talking about the aggregate on this is nearly a million dollars. Unbelievable. Tell him right now, no go. Yeah, tell him that the money is nothing but. On my day off, he can bring those three guys down, and I'll beat him right here for nothing. Now hang up the phone. Hang it up. Can't believe it, Randy Savage. You're not sorry, no. You know, I was amazed this morning when I arrived here at your home, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes, I can tell you. I found a, a young uh, couple honeymooning, as a matter of fact, and the young lady insisted she see you before they continue on the honeymoon. That's a typical type situation. Women can't help themselves. They just do. What is this? Oh, man, there's a typical situation. Get her out of here, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. No, I know how you feel. Dreams, dreams. In your dream, Gene Okerlund. You have got to be kidding. I've got what a can I do? Thank you to Alex Burpee for sending that in. He wrote, that's the Macho Man clip that I have to hear the most about. When the phone's ringing, when Gene Okerlund's speaking, and Macho says, Macho Menace is more seductive than sex. Yes, I know that. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's stuck yeah. with Alex for decades now. Amazing. What are your thoughts from that clip? Well, the greatest interview of them all was the Macho Man, and, um, but Gene Okerlund might have been the greatest announcer of them all. The one thing I'll clear up, he did not have... 17 acres ever in his life um when he when he died he lived in a beautiful home but it was one acre and a half nobody needs 17 acres unless you're a farmer yeah a bit of uh playing with numbers as the show business does little exaggeration yeah. you know uh it doesn't hurt men no stories do so, that too no story so great it can't be embellished a little that's right now, if you want to actually see that clip on YouTube, it's worth checking out. It's uh, you just search at the home of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Was that actually Randy and Elizabeth's house? No, might have been. Might have been Vince. Might have been Vince McMahon's. Who knows? If maybe somebody who's in the know can write in and tell us uh, whose house that was. Now we're gonna go to the fan questions of the week before we close the show. Fernando Aviles emailed in. Man, this podcast delivers, and I hope you guys keep them coming. My question for Mr. Lanny Poffo is about the Macho Man's WrestleMania 5 promo. My God, that is one of, if not the greatest promos I've ever seen in my 30 years of being a pro wrestling fan. My question is, how pissed off was Randy when they turned him heel and fed him to Hogan? And did Randy ever get a clean pinfall win over Hulk? Okay, Randy was never pissed off and about that. He was about... Other things, not getting my father into the battle royal, that was pissed off. Yeah. Um, the storyline of Hogan did not bother him whatsoever. And he was very happy to turn heel. Uh, he thought he was a better heel than Babyface. He felt that. Um, but he also thought that if you couldn't do both, you couldn't do either. So he didn't mind switching his character. And besides, in his personality... Whether you hated him or loved him, everybody respected him. So think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Big Evil 21 on Reddit wrote, and this is a poem, I thought this was great. Introduced to us as the genius, and he has a brand new podcast. He posted about it on Reddit, and the downloads came quite fast. He's ready to set the record straight about his own history. But we hope he soon has the guests, the Brothers Beverly. What are your thoughts on the Beverly Brothers? Well, I was just glad, you know, I had been, I had been given my uh, 
future endeavor speech. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Good luck on your future endeavors. And then uh, six months later, um, John Tolis either, he was the coach with the whistle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he either quits or was fired. So somebody's bright idea was to bring the genius back with the Beverly Brothers. And I was so glad to be back in the action that I didn't care about anything. So um, when I, here's my only negative thing about the Beverly Brothers. They were a very talented, very charismatic group of guys. Um, nice people. Uh, I haven't kept up with them, but uh, <clears throat> every once in a while I see them. And uh, they're always nice, and I hope they're doing well with themselves. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the fact that they used a move called the Shaker Heights Spike. And they would, they would put one guy up in a back body drop. The other guy would grab the guy by the hair and throw him to the mat, pile driver style. And a lot of the um, jobbers, they were enhancement talent, whatever you call, um, I call them... Uh, the people who make you look good. I don't. I think jobber and enhancement is, you know, a little bit of a slur. Right. Um, they were afraid to take the move, and they took it anyway. And they hurt a few people. And the word got out that the shaker height spike is no fun to take. Well, my point is, if you're going to do that to the enhancement talent, how come you never did it to Fred Ottman, John Tenta? How come you never did it to the Powers of Pain, the Legion of Doom, all those guys? No, you did it to the enhancement talent. And you didn't care if you broke their necks. Well, that pisses me off. Um, you do not take a guy in midair and throw their head down on the mat just hoping everything's going to go okay. But they already hurt a few people and they didn't mind doing it and they didn't mind hurting more people. And uh, I thought to myself, well... You know, every time somebody says, uh, how'd you like managing those guys? Oh, it was better than having to work with them on television. And, you know, I never had to take the shaker height spike. But you guess what? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have taken that move. That's not a move. That's a disaster waiting to happen. Because if you, you know, if you hit the your head just right on the mat, you're going to break your neck. And then you're going to say you're sorry. And sorry doesn't cut it, does it? Not when you break your neck. So that's my point. Um... You know, I wrestled as Leaping Lanny when Mr. Perfect came in. I wrestled Mr. Perfect every night for at least 30 nights. We went all over the place. And let me tell you what. He always thanked me. He always made me look good. And then he did his finish, and it never hurt. It was always nice. And he, you know, and I, he took care of his opponent because he was a great, great worker. You understand the difference? Absolutely. Um between a selfish worker and a great worker. Um, you know, when he gave me his finish, I made sure I stayed down uh, until they helped me out of the ring. You know what I mean? Uh, in other words, I sold the move, and he was always appreciative. Mr. Perfect, he was the greatest, man. I'm telling you. Uh, and you know who thought so? Macho Man. Mm -hmm. You know, they loved each other. It was a great... Uh, they respected one another. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, Macho Man never got to wrestle Mr. Perfect. That would have torn the house down. That would have been amazing. Now, going back to the Beverly Brothers ki almost killing a jobber, there's a video on YouTube. Search it. It says, holy shit, with like 10 exclamation marks. Beverly Brothers nearly killed jobber. Check that video out. Reckless. I tell you, at, at all in, I saw a lot of moves didn't look safe, you know, but I guess everybody was still walking. So uh, maybe they're just maybe they're just great.
Braden asks, you mentioned in the first episode how Colt Cabana was one of the people who supports your brother and has nice things to say. Myself and many others, I'm sure, would be interested to hear your thoughts on CM Punk, considering all that's happened between him and Colt Cabana. You know what? I love both those guys a lot. Um, and what CM Punk did after my brother died, you know, uh, going on the top rope, dropping the elbow for the macho man. Um, there is no way that I'm going to choose sides. I just hope everybody can get back together and be friends. You know, I love I love CM Punk and I love Colt Cabana. They're fantastic people. Um, we're all from Chicagoland. Let's be friends again, please. For the sake of Chicago. In fact, we're all Chicago guys. Yeah, you know, Chicago has a reputation. No murders. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, wrong. Guy Dereidelman on Reddit asks, I read online that your mother was Jewish, but you and Randy were raised Roman Catholic. Did your family observe any Jewish traditions growing up or perhaps currently? No, um, but I knew more about Judaism than my mother did. Uh, she was not what you call Orthodox Jewish. She was, uh, her father was Lithuanian and her mother was Belarus. I call them Zadie and Bubby. And I call, um, I call Nono and Nana are the names of uh, my Italian grandparents. So um, 18 months ago, I became a grandfather and my daughter asked me, what do I want to be called? And I said, Abuelo. It's Spanish for grandfather. But you're not Spanish. I said, yeah, but it's cool. You know, I like the word abuelo. It rolls off the tongue. You go by abuelo. <laughs> yes. That's I want to be an abuelo. That's great. <laughs> yo, estu yo estudio dos años en la escuela de español, pero no es muy bueno gringo español. That, me as well. I took two years of Spanish. I understand what you say, but I certainly can't ask or respond. <laughs> I'm, I'm very good at malos palabras. You know what that is? Go on. Bad words. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all? I could say bad words in about eight languages, but we won't do that on this show. I can get my face slapped in many countries. <laughs> Carl Hayes emailed in asking, I recall seeing you wrestle at the old Boston Garden back in the 80s. Always excellent matches that kept me hooked. What was it like on the road back when certain wrestlers weren't supposed to be seen in public together? And I know it's been decades and you've had tens of thousands of matches, but do you have any memories of Boston? I like Boston a lot. I go there now. You know, I've got friends there. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I like those mass holes. And um, I've got, um, I've been to Fenway Park several times. I've been to Gillette Stadium to watch those horrible Patriots. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to lose, we're going to lose people now. Um, <laughs> because every, you know. Everybody hates the winner. You know what I mean? They uh, are an American football team for our international fans. Yes. So anyway, um, yeah, love all those mass holes. Yeah, they're wicked cool, aren't they? Yeah. Um, now, part of the question was, what was it like on the road when certain wrestlers weren't supposed to be seen in public together when kayfabe was supposed to be kept? Well, I guess St. Louis had a rule that if you were seen with somebody, that would be the end of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And the Maritimes, you know, Rudy K, Bobby K, Leo Burke, and all those guys, and Emil Dupre, there was a strict kayfabe there. But the worst story I ever heard was in Florida, Eddie Graham was big on kayfabe, and then Red Bastine and Johnny Valentine were spotted on the beach together. And I'm thinking to myself, and they were fired immediately, and I'm thinking, 
Okay, how many people saw him at the beach? Like three? Uh, but when Johnny Valentine was in the ring, he was Mr. Kayfabe. Um, he used to have an expression, I can't make you believe wrestling is real, but I can make you believe that I am real. And if you ever saw Johnny Valentine wrestle, that's Greg's father, mm -hmm. everything about him was believable. So if it was me and I said Red Bastine and Johnny Valentine were caught on the beach breaking kayfabe, I would say, let's team them up. We'll turn either one heel or the other baby face if they want to hang out together. But let's keep both of them because they're so talented. And uh, let's not fire either one of them. But that was to set an example for the boys. But <clears throat> Johnny Valentine, if there was any doubt about the legitimacy of professional wrestling, Johnny Valentine would be your definition of it's real. Now, you go on to ProWrestlingStories.com. We got a really great article on there called uh, Kayfabe and Professional Wrestling. You know wrestling's fake, right? There's a ton of great stories there. Um, some of them talking about how wrestlers would go to a gas station to fill up uh, gas for their car or petrol in their car. They would see a heel, and they were a babyface, and they would have to leave. Or it would be like walking into a restaurant. They see somebody from the roster that's, on, that's either face or heel, and they'd have to leave. So did you ever experience kayfabe like that while on the road? Yes, and um, I never cared for it at all. But I never used that word, the F word, that F-A-K-E word. I don't use that word. We are not fake. We are entertainment. You know, when you go to the movies, you say, well, you know, it's all fake, right? Well, yeah, but you still cry when Bambi's mother gets shot, and that's watercolors. It's about suspended disbelief. If you're going to enjoy yourself at the wrestling matches, what you've got to do is just realize you paid X amount of money to get in. And if you come out with a better show than that, if it was worth it to you, it was worth it. The biggest, the most expensive ticket I ever bought was in Las Vegas. And I, and I watched uh, Cirque du Soleil honoring Michael Jackson. And in the first two minutes, I realized that even though it was a hell of a price I paid at the box office, I realized that I got 10 times the entertainment value for my money. And that's what Ring of Honor did at All In. They gave the people more. I didn't see one fan, not one. And I met them all at the airport. I saw everybody was, they thought it was the greatest show they ever saw. And by God, there's been some great shows before this. And with that, we leave you with the genius poem of the week. I'm going to do a little poem for... Nikolai Volkov, who we lost, um, I, you know, I was very upset about that. What a nice man he was. And uh, I remember um, Corporal, Kirscher and I, Corporal Kirschner and I were against the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And I did this poem. I had shortly become uh, the Poet Laureate of the World Wrestling Federation. And I said, if Volkov comes from Russia and the Sheik comes from Iran, I have a question on the minds of every single fan. Every time your mouth is open, you must put our country down. If you hate us all so much, then tell us why you're still around. There's so many boats and planes that leave our country every day, and I gladly buy two tickets, just as long as they're one way, because a lot of people fought and died to keep our country free, and I'm sick of seeing both your ugly faces on TV. With Freddie Blassie at your side, just step into the ring and salute your native homeland as the Russian starts to sing. And when the bell is sounded and the match is underway, some American inferior might kick your big red A. And the people will, ah. So I really, I love Nikolai Volkov so much. What a great guy. 
He wasn't really Russian. He escaped Yugoslavia with the Russian domina domination, you know, and uh, he spoke about eight languages and he had that old country look and style. So um, the Iron Sheik was really from Tehran, Iran. And although the Iron Sheik wasn't really a Russian, um, nobody could say he didn't look like a Russian or play like a Russian and sing that Russian national anthem uh, was magnificent. I just want to say not as the genius, not as Leaping Lanny, as Lanny Poffo. Thank you to all the fans that made this genius cast a big success. It's a lot of fun to do. I hope it's fun to listen to. We can't thank you enough, guys. And thank you to everyone who's already left a five-star review on iTunes. Every single one of those is going to help our show grow. If you haven't done so already, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TheGeniusCast. We're going to be using those accounts to keep the Poffo family memory alive. Quick shout out to ProWrestlingTees.com where Lanny's got his Brothers from Another Mother t-shirt for sale. You've seen it on All In, now you can wear it in front of your wrestling friends. You've got Lanny Poffo on one side and you've got Black Machismo J Lethal on the other. Thank you to all the fans who've written in and sent in your poems that you wrote specifically for this show. That means a lot. You can continue to do that and send Macho Man Clip of the Week suggestions and questions for the show to thegeniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. Find Lanny every Monday on Reddit where he'll be taking your questions and you get a chance to communicate with the genius himself. We had a lot of fun this week, and we can't wait to bring you a new Genius Cast each Monday, so don't forget to subscribe. I'm JP Zarka, and you can find me on Twitter at JP Zarka, that's Z like zebra, A-R-K-A. That's it for now. So long and goodbye. been listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. This has been a ProWrestlingStories.com production. Find us on social media at The Genius Cast, at Lanny Poffo, or at JP Zarka. If you'd like to advertise to thousands of dedicated listeners on our show each week, send us an email at TheGeniusCast at ProWrestlingStories.com. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the second edition of the Genius Cast. My name is J.P. Zarka. And I'm Lanny Poffo. <laughs> Until next time.